Your source for Big Ten Talk, it's Off Tackle Empire! So, welcome to the late week edition of Off Tackle Empire, where we're going to look ahead to week three. Once again, Steve Braun, Thumposaurus, uh, along with Andrew Koshesky, a.k.a. Andrew Koshesky. And yeah, um, once again, a robust slate of games, despite three teams on buys, we still have a pile of previews to get through, so we'll get right to it. Um, much better conference slate overall, in my opinion, than last week, including the in-conference matchup. We have one of those and the non-conference games, a couple of in-state rivalries, better quality opponents overall. Um, really looking forward to this weekend. Now, fortunate, unfortunately, as it is, no late game slots for the Big Ten. The latest kickoff is 8 o'clock for Nebraska. So you're going to have to pick because you've got four in the noon slot, four in the 3.30 slash 4 o'clock slots, and the two late games at 7.30 and 8. Going to be hard to watch as much of them this week. So. Well, I know which one of those four games is going to still be coming down to the wire. Ohio State-Indiana because you got to break the Hoosiers' hearts in a new and different way. Yeah, the question is, does that one get away from them in the fourth quarter, like late, or is it... Or is it the fourth quarter early, or is it like in the second quarter, but then they come back, so it gets away from them again in the I'm third quarter? Because I'm seeing Indiana taking a lead into the fourth quarter, hmm. and then just surrendering like five unanswered touchdowns in quick succession. Which means that actually, once you get to the point where it's about it's about uh, 3.15 or so, that's not going to be the most competitive game to watch here anymore. No, probably not. So, we're, so I think we're going to see Eastern Michigan and Illinois try desperately to mutually lose the game. Um, but anyway, where should we start here? Well, we, we got into Indiana and Ohio State. Winners last week by a combined 94 to nothing, so they certainly are both going to come in feeling confident outwardly. Indiana. <clears throat> Indiana, Ohio State put their 2-0 records on the line against each other in Big Ten action this Saturday at Memorial Stadium, Bloomington. I forget exactly what uh, Fox is calling it, but they put some kind of new sticker next to the game on the schedule. I think it's like, Big Noon Kickoff or Big Noon Saturday. It's Big Noon, Big Noon something. It's like a breakfast special at a diner. Um, I don't, I don't recall what it is, but anyway, it, they're going to be selling whatever the best noon game from now on is. And so, you know, just just imagine the games that used to get relegated to ESPN2 and the Beth Moens crew are now being promoted by Fox as like a thing you should actually watch. That's a mistake. But, you know, I'm not a TV executive. What do I know? Uh, so many, so many hungover Saturday mornings hearing Beth Moens call a touchdown to put Illinois down by five scores on ESPNU. That's, that's the soundtrack to a lot of my Saturdays from my early 20s. <laughs> it's just it's Beth Moen's calling our, our third stringer throwing a pick six. <laughs> yeah, um, and and getting like three quarters of the names right. So <laughs> that at least I mean at least they're doing a little bit better by the conference. They being Fox than ESPN used to. Because uh, boy, would they would they just shit can these early matchups. So on paper. Big advantage to Ohio State. Oh, you know what I neglected before we got started was bring up the betting lines. Uh, give uh, me Ohio State is a 15.5 point favorite. And that's at Indiana, correct? Yes. Um, that feels like a cover, but... But it feels like it'll be in doubt until late. I think Indiana will score. Going out on a little bit of a limb here, I think Indiana will score. I think Indiana will score, but I think <laughs> they might be held to like 10 or so. Because I think this Ohio State defense is... A little bit more organized last year's. As yeah, as we mentioned in the review, this this Ohio State defense is an Ohio State defense. They're not 
a disorganized rabble of five-star athletes like they were last year and for parts of the previous year. Turns out paying a guy like Madison a whole bunch of money to leave your hated rival and go over and fix your defense is the kind of decision a big money program makes and makes correctly. So you have no idea how much fun I'm going to have on this thing next week if the mighty Panix laser does in fact blow up Ohio State. Oh boy. It is the cause for every scream. We may have to set aside several minutes with that, so... It is better than anything you've got, because it wears the crimson and cream. Yeah. So, we referenced Pitt at Penn State last week as a possible cause for distraction in Penn State's matchup with Buffalo. Um, One way or another, when these two teams take the field, I I think this one will be over and over quickly. I get the... This feels like a Penn State run. Yeah, this, this feels like probably about... I don't know, like uh, 47 to 12. I don't know. 12. Doesn't 12 feel right? Feels like a pit score. Yeah. Feels like a pit score. <laughs> so I'm seeing Penn State covering this one. It's a 17 point spread. Um, I don't know. This used to. This was interesting the one time. It is unfortunate that it isn't. Yeah. Um, Pat Arduzzi's program at Pitt hasn't really taken flight, even though even though they're coming off of a division championship, it's the division in the <laughs> That's ACC. Right. Yeah. It other than who's the who is the least remarked upon division champion? Because we we thought it was Northwestern in our off-season discussions. Is it not Pitt? Is Pitt not the uh, least discussed yeah, division I major conference that champion? It was in that last year. They were technically. Pro- I mean, it was again. It was one of those games where it's like, yeah, they were there. They were uh, a participant. <laughs> it was not quite as bad as 2011 UCLA, uh, which went into a bowl game at six and seven. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so I'm trying to remember who would they have played in that pit? No, UCLA. UCLA. Oh, they played Oregon. Oh Jesus! Yeah, in 2011, <laughs> they got they got absolutely housed. Oh yeah, um, boy. So all would just to say, look, this game really should not be competitive. Although, it, if you're a Pitt fan, aren't you saying like, look, we just won a division title? Like arrows are pointing up. We have our quarterback back from last year. But they did lose uh, Ouellette, right? The running back. They lost Olison, and yeah, Ouellette was the other guy. They lost um, both of those guys. I believe so. Olson's gone too. I know because I watched enough of their game with Ohio to see that their new running back's last name, I think his name is Anthony French, with two Fs at the beginning. French. Or French. French. <laughs> I choose, that's what I choose to pronounce it as. They were just saying it normally and ignore and just. Maybe it was for French. Maybe it was a thing they discussed at the beginning, and there's some interesting linguistic reason for that. Or maybe it's like one of the more amusing for French. Yeah. So that's how I choose to say it. <laughs> French. Okay. Same or down. Boy, it, I don't see. I mean, the only way for Penn State to lose this game, I don't think Pitt wins if this game gets out of the mid twenties. You know. If Penn State's going to lose this game, it's going to be because they completely malfunction on offense. It's a noon kick, correct? So yeah. maybe you have a drowsy start. It's not going to be the most lit home environment that you're capable of getting in Happy Valley. If you have a drowsy crowd, if your team takes the opponent for granted... Your team you get parties out, all night. Well, having visited Happy Valley myself, I'm not convinced there is anywhere to party there. Um, well, if your team parties all night, then that means that they're hours away from right. State that means College. that that means that they're going to have to make their way back from Pittsburgh or something. Um, so stow away on the pit team bus. Yeah, no. The only the only way that this well, actually, the more I talk it as I talk out loud about this game to myself, you're here also, but myself. 
there is a scenario where Penn State loses this game, and that's if their first half goes like it did last week. If they play a sluggish game, Pitt's defense is good enough, or at least difficult enough, that you may not necessarily be able to find your traction and go off to the races the way you did against Buffalo. Um, so this is one that you just don't necessarily upset alert, but no. check the score a couple of times. Yeah, and that's, look, again, I still think the most likely result is that Penn State wins early, but if it's a struggle, if it is close at halftime, do keep an eye on this, because it could be it could be one of those games that gets in, that gets gravel in Penn State's gears a little bit, and when those games happen, they tend not to go Penn State's way. Think of their close losses the last few years. The Mich- one to Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Pitt. Yeah, when they lose these games, they tend to lose in lower scoring affairs. So if it's something like 10-7, 10-10, 14-7 at halftime, keep your eye on it. That's all we're saying. So another ranked Big Ten team taking on a non-conference opponent, Maryland! Number yeah. 21, Maryland. Yeah, and look, Temple's not Temple's not a pushover, not by any means, but near with Syracuse. And Maryland pushed him right over. Um, the spread here... Da, 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 is da. Maryland by eight. Which is not... I mean, that's... An accounting, it's, basically, of the quality of the opponent. So Seems reasonable. This is Rod Carey's first year at Temple after Manny Diaz spent about a week on the job. Yeah. <laughs> so He's got a lot of his band back from Northern Illinois. Grabbed, uh, he grabbed, I think, a couple of Illinois assistants from one of them to better roles at, uh, at Temple. So, you know, good yeah, for them. Him, but Sad it's, for us. This is not the type of group of five job where they're hiring a new coach after the program cratered. Yeah. Um, this is... Yeah, they're this trying, is, well, they're trying to go places. Yeah, this is Matt their... Matt elevated them. Right. They are enough of a destination that this is where up-and-coming group of five and coordinators go as, spring, as a springboard job, basically. So they're going to have players... It's a new, granted, as you said, a new staff, but not exactly an inexperienced one or one that doesn't know what it's doing. So it'll be interesting. I, this will be a better test for Maryland's offense, I think, than the last couple games have been because Temple is going to play a more sound brand of defense. Um, there's enough left over here from the previous staff. Now, this could go sideways for the Terps, but I've been very impressed by what I saw from Maryland so far. This is the thing. Syracuse has not been lauded for their defensive prowess. No, no, never have been. This still this feels like a Maryland win to me. Seven and a half is a decent line. I think you could see the Terps cover that. And as we have seen, when Maryland gets rolling a little bit, they can roll it up quickly. So I would take the Terps to win and to cover here. Well, I mean, perhaps you see a thing. Perhaps you see a thing where Maryland struggles to get the ground game going uh, with McFarland plowing into the line, and then you have your Maryland fans right that may be visiting this game. And all they can say, all they can employ them to do is, we want the funk. Give up the funk. We need the funk. We gotta have that funk. Although I think at this point, funk is like the... <laughs> yeah, no, Jake Funk is a victory cigar. But, he, <laughs> yeah. but that's the kind of games Maryland has played, that he's their leading rusher. Yeah, they have had... I think that was the case against Howard. Um, well, he's their leading rusher on the season. Are you sure? Yeah. You're looking at it right now? Yes, I am. That's so hard to believe. Well, they've had a lot of garbage time through their two games. And they've got a fleet of running backs. Uh, yeah, 173 yards on 17 carries. Jake Funk. This just isn't correct. It says McFarland's got 93 yards on 20 carries. Yeah. That's that's right? Yeah. Uh, he's just got a pile of touchdowns. Whatever. Four of them, yeah. I mean, they're, this is this is actually this is not a bad thing to see if you're a Maryland fan because this is, suggests that the offensive line is doing the work in the run game. I could have sworn I saw McFarland on some board in the Big Tens. Probably uh, for touchdowns. He's got four of them. All right. Regardless, um, let's talk about the last nooner. How are you feeling about Eastern? 
Terrified. Um, now, Mike Glass hung over 300 yards on Kentucky, but a lot of that was after they went down 24 to 3. So I don't know how well that translates. Um, Shaq Van <coughs> has a fantastic name. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see if uh, Oluwala Batiku continues to be a monster pass rusher. Um, I doubt that he'll be as effective. I mean, he's definitely not going to be as effective against Big Ten offensive lines, but this is Eastern Michigan, so as long as he's hanging around that quarterback, uh, he'll be either drawing holding calls or getting sacks. It's, I'm, I'm a bit concerned about the secondary. I'm be- not, I'm not going to reach as boldly for Illinois covering ever again after that. You No. Um, eight and a half is not as adventure a line, but, at, you know, I think Illinois could find a way to sure. Michigan's not the doormat that you... I, I think Illinois wins this one very uncomfortably because, again, I'm concerned about the secondary. There's not very much depth. We had some players leave with injuries. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, lovey's lovey. I don't know if he'll... We had we held Reggie Corbin out against UConn. I don't know if we'll continue to keep a 99% Reggie Corbin out or if he's, like, probably out for the year. I don't know. You never know this kind of stuff because... That's a very lovely thing to do is keep a bunch of players that are maybe 98% ready to go out against Eastern Michigan and just win as ugly as possible, or maybe not. <coughs> um, well, I mean, the thing is, if, if a guy is healthy enough to play and you just don't want to play him, if you ultimately need him, you can't always deploy yeah. him, so as long as you don't remember to bring him to the stadium. so Ultimately, I think Illinois wins this one only because... Uh, I like what I saw from the kicker, James McCourt, so I think that the game-winning field goal will be made by him. Let's, we're going to try something new, by the way. I'm going to throw you a curveball here. We've gotten to the end of the first time slot, so which game... <laughs> easy in this case because one of your, your team is playing, but in this game, in this time slot, which game do you want to watch? It depends, because I always flip between games depending on what's going on in them. The one that I want to see at the start the most is, of course, Ohio State-Indiana. I want to see how Agreed. the story of that game unfolds. Agreed. Um, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to want to flip to all of them, but probably I'd be flipping between, if if I were not an Illinois partisan, I'd be flipping between all of them, but mostly staying on Ohio State-Indiana with my second read being Pitt-Penn State. Um, and I, mean, I feel like what's going to end up happening is that my attention will shift to Eastern versus Illinois, because I think that's going to be the one that comes down to the wire. I would agree with that assessment, yeah. I think Indiana Ohio State's probably where um, my attention primary Yeah, that's my, that's my first read there. I'm staring that one down. If that one gets away, well, that's when I, I, I check down to Pitt-Penn State. All right. So moving now to the afternoon games. Uh, Georgia Southern-Minnesota, 15-point spread from the one that we're looking at. What are you feeling here? I don't know. This is a chance for Minnesota to show that they can actually put someone away. I mean, Fresno State's a quality team. South Dakota State is the number three ranked FCS team. Uh, Georgia Southern comes into this game with a loss already, but um, that loss is to LSU. Yeah. By an awful lot of points, but still, that that doesn't tell you a whole lot. Not one you can hold against them. As far as interesting thing that happened actually to them last year was I believe yeah let's see Chad Lunsford um so so Tyson Summers was the coach in 2017 who took over for Willie Fritz who of course led that upset of Florida back when they were FCS led their transition to FBS Tyson Summers um coached the first six games of that season which were all losses including to New Hampshire and stuff and then Chad Lunsford coached the last six games where he went 
two and four, and I promise this gets interesting because in 2018, they went 10 and three. So under that same interim coach, Chad Lunsford. Difficult transition, but it kind of took flight a little bit. So The biggest turnaround in FBS, they went from two wins to 10 wins and, uh, let's see, yeah, defeated Eastern Michigan in the Camellia Bowl. So as far as the spread goes, my answer here is prove it, Minnesota. Uh, I totally agree with that. Yeah. I. It's hard to say. I think that Georgia Southern is probably, probably say, equal South Dakota State. Maybe not as good as Fresno State. Yeah. And, you know, Minnesota, on paper, should be two scores better than a team like that, but they haven't been. Nope. So show me that you can be, and you'll get a little bit of faith back. Georgia Southern is a team that likes to run the ball, and if I'm not mistaken, Chad Lunsford is a Willie Fritz disciple. So guess what? It's time for some triple option. Now, this next one might actually be the most interesting spread of the afternoon slot. UNLV and Northwestern, largest one of any Big Ten we've got so far. 20 and a half points, but it's September Northwestern. Um, and that's, that's a factor you've got to deal with here. UNLV has been a really bad team for several years now. Northwestern is going to have no choice but to stick with Hunter Johnson, even if he makes a th- does a thing that fits the like. Um, Did we ever get a prognosis on TJ Green? He's out for the year, I think. Oof, what was the injury? I know it was serious and he went to the hospital. I uh, don't know. I thought it was an ankle, foot, something. Yeesh. Um, I don't. I don't. Know. I didn't. I, w- I didn't see the injury. I, I don't recall exactly what it was. I am fairly sure it is out for the year with a foot injury that required surgery. Yeah. So that's the deal. Yep, it is Hunter Johnson uh, against Armani Rogers. Uh, dual solid. I know. Doesn't that sound like the kind of guy that that just leads a plucky upset? I think it's yeah, because it's it Armani sounds like Armonte Edwards. Yeah, because <laughs> it basically is a name that has done that. Yes, so, <laughs> it's even it's a plural of a first name for a last name, and it's our it's one letter away from being Armonte. He's he's been wildly inaccurate this season, but is a dual threat guy. I don't know. UNLV shouldn't win this one, but for some reason, they're not going to win. I mean, the question for me is whether, is whether Northwestern loses. <laughs> Okay. That is the question. All right. What if that's what if that's how you want to phrase this? You go right ahead. Well, okay. Is, the question is: Does their offense look like it has a plan here? Right? Does their offense look? Can they execute their offense? Does it ever? I mean, it's just it's just run this guy for forty times and then throw it around the yard, throw it to these receivers out wide on three yard outs a little bit. Like that's trust me. No one understands better than me how frustrating it is for that kind of plan to beat Michigan State's defense, but. Yeah, they, they'll have the same plan they always do. Whether it will work, I guess, remains seen. But UNLV should not have the horses on paper to stop even a middling offensive line like Northwestern. So I don't think I'm not taking them to cover. I certainly won't, um, because this could well be the kind of game that Northwestern wins like 20 to seven. So you're not even going to get enough points to cover that spread. But uh, no, they should have no problem winning. Um, Arizona State coming to visit Michigan State, 4 o'clock kickoff, 11.5 point spread for Michigan State going this one. Our thoughts? Jaden Daniels is a pretty talented true freshman dual threat quarterback for Arizona State. Um, playing in his third career game playing at Michigan yeah. State. <laughs> no so Nikhil Harry. He does have Eno Benjamin, that's something, but... Eno Benjamin's been somewhat ineffective this year, as we know from... Starting him in fantasy in week one and not seeing him put up a whole hell of a lot in week two. Appreciate you bringing that up. Uh, <laughs> this this overall is an Arizona State team that has struggled. They had they were in a dogfight with Sacramento State last week. Um, this shouldn't be a fight for Michigan State. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be very upset if it is. They're they're going for a different kind of program at Arizona State than they had before. Maybe this is a transition that takes some time because 
Again, last season, it's not like Todd Graham left them with nothing, but a lot of those star players are gone now. Not just um, Harry and the multi-year starting quarterback Manny Wilkins, but as lineman Rennell Wren was extremely effective, at least in the game against Michigan State, So, and he's gone as well. This should be a transition type of year for Arizona State. I, I don't think they're very good. I do think Michigan State should cover this spread. That being said, it's a non-conference game and a double-digit spread, so it should be free money to bet against Michigan Well. I'd bet that money if I still had any of it. Thanks, Illinois! Last game in the afternoon spread. And actually, since the spreadsheet we put together was posted, I think this game has moved to a pick-em. El Asico, Iowa, Iowa State. Game day is going to be present for a 4 o'clock kickoff in Ames. Wow! (laughs) Which, which, by the way, as we'll get to in a minute, tells you what ass the rest of the the college football landscape is this week. Yeah, this is not a very good watching week. No, no. So this is going to be a short preview episode because there's not going to be a whole lot for us to talk about once we're done with the conference. Because unfortunately, I do not think this is going to live up because I think this is going to be kind of a shit show, more reminiscent of that 13-3 one from last year than that 44-41 overtime game from yeah. years gone by. Yeah, Iowa State got a fair amount of preseason love, and then in their season opener, promptly needed three overtimes to dispose of an FCS one. Now, granted, Northern Iowa is a better-than-average FCS team, in-state, blood, you know, blood fury and all that. It's still three overtimes against the FCS. It dropped them out of the rankings. Yeah, as it as deservedly so. I think they were what, like twist or something. Yeah. So, um, and then Iowa State had the bye to prepare for this game. Iowa fans are always chirping about how this is Iowa State Super Bowl. Well, if that's true, you got a problem because they had a week to game plan for you, and we know Kirk Ferentz hasn't always taken this game super seriously. Well, the thing is, they don't have the kind of talent at receiver that they'd had a few years ago. They're a running, or, they're a more running oriented team now. Although Brock Purdy is still. A fairly talented quarterback. He does not have uh, what, Butler. Yeah, Butler was a receiver, but I mean, they, lost, they lost David Montgomery too. So yeah, that's also true. But they've got a decent <coughs> stable of talented young running backs. Um, unfortunately, that kind of plays right into Iowa's hands, doesn't it? Yeah, if you you don't want to, if you want to beat Iowa, you do want to drag them into a shootout against because it's not the game they want to play. Iowa has the personnel to do that if they chose to more often, but they just don't want to. So, get this game. The higher the score in this game goes, it feels like the more likely it is that Iowa State springs the upset. And I do think it would be an upset, even though it's a pick'em, because Iowa State gets the benefit of a home bump. So, if it's a neutral site game, it's probably something like Iowa for three. But no, I, I I think this is I think this is an upset if Iowa State wins. I would expect Iowa to be glorious. That said, it's been a few years since they took an inexplicable, you know, nail gun to the foot against Iowa State. Okay, so in this slot here, obviously there's the 3.30 games and then the 4 o'clock games. But of course, you're not going to be able to watch those 3.30 games right away because you're going to be busy watching the third overtime between Eastern Michigan and Illinois, um, still waiting for the first touchdown to be scored. Uh, it's going to be one of those ass overtimes. 18-18. You know, <laughs> one of those ones where you've got a bunch of overtimes, but nobody's scoring. Remember that Penn State-Michigan one a few years oh, back that nobody God. wanted to? The 27-for-27 yeah. 27 game? Yes. <laughs> more more of that. It had to be 2014, because I'm pretty sure that was one of Hoke's bleeding swan song. So, yeah, I believe that was 2014. My God, yes. I... Yeah, so that one. Um, so, anyway, once that wraps up, about 3.45, looking UNLV Northwestern, what, which, which of those games are you looking to start with? Well, I'm watching my own game, but... El Asico is the clear winner in the time frame. I, even if Minnesota or Northwestern struggle with these lesser opponents enough to make it interesting, 
unless it's like interesting with five minutes left in the fourth quarter or one score game, it's not going to be interesting, you know? Yeah, because that's the thing is the kind of game that Iowa wants to play, unless they're really rolling it up, you still only need one big play to get back in the game. Right. And if, if you're a neutral observer and for whatever reason El Asico doesn't do it for you, I think you could get some entertainment out of the Arizona State-Michigan State game. If you're an observer of another Big Ten East team, for example, maybe you want to see how Michigan State's offense looks against a ratcheted-up level of defensive opponent. That could be relevant to your interest. So I'm going to disagree with you here, and I'm going to say that you might find Georgia Southern at Minnesota to be a fairly compelling watch because I think you're going to see Minnesota's defense get frustrated again. And uh, it's going to be really, really funny. Okay, so I'll agree with you that the potential for humor is probably greatest in Minnesota. Um, but I, I still also think at some point they are going to get their shit together. Um, I know when they're going to do it, too. Well, of course you think you know that. But <laughs> you th- I bet you thought you know how last year's game would go, too, didn't you? So Fair enough. <laughs> right. All right. So we'll move on now to the two nightcaps, such as they are. Um, Purdue and Nebraska will start. Purdue... Um, currently actually giving a couple of points to TCU. What's your take on this? TCU is a bit of an unknown quantity right now. I know that they've got a very talented receiver in Jalen Rager. Um, all they have to show for their season right now is a 39-7 win against Arkansas Pine Bluff. So, yeah. that I mean, might as well not even be there. Alex Delton and Max Dugan have put in some work at uh, quarterback. Um, seems like Dugan's probably going to be the starter, though. <coughs> It is the kind of defense, though, that Sindelar could easily throw three or four interceptions against, and that if he's healthy enough to play, because he's also in concussion protocol this week, so I don't think they call it that in college, and it's just he has a concussion. Um, but it, you know, if Sindelar is not able to play, by the way, I saw also today that Purdue's backup plan would be the true freshman quarterback, Plummer, so... Uh, oh, yes. I, I was, I've was i been waiting for one of those NFL legacies to get in there. Is he an NFL legacy? Is he Plummer's he's, kid? He's not Plummer's... I don't think he's Plummer's kid, but I think that he's Plummer's nephew. And they've also got somebody related to uh, Brian Sype. Yeah, former... Nick, I think Nick Sype is the kid's yes. name. So that, the other backup plan would be a freshman if Sindelar is not able to go. Uh, and with their running game being as non-functional as it is, even if Sindelar plays, TCU's not a good defense to try to be one-dimensional against, even with an explosive offense like Purdue. So I'm actually taking the Horned Frog straight up on this one. Um, now, last game of the evening, Northern Illinois and Nebraska. Where have heard that matchup? Um, that wasn't last year, was it? Two years ago. Mike Riley. Yes, so. that is correct. So, Northern Illinois started with a 24-10 victory over a pretty good FCS Illinois State team. Yeah. Illinois State has been a solid Missouri Valley Football Conference team. Um, they did I, they give Utah an extended fight last week as well. They did. They did not go quietly into that good night. They were ultimately deactivated on offs. So with that in mind, Nebraska just showed us exactly how inconsistent. Um, they should have enough of a talent edge to win this one easily. They certainly will be motivated to prove to themselves, if nobody else, that they are capable of living up to all the hype they had in the offseason. Um, I think we probably see Nebraska win and probably see them win comfortably. 13.5 feels like maybe a bit much. Something like 10 to 12, I think I would take. I would think I would be more interested in this action. I'd probably take Illinois to uh, beat that spread. Uh, your thoughts between the last two games, which are you watching? I'm watching TCU and Purdue only because the potential for offensive fireworks seems higher. Um, TCU is a team that has showed a propensity to air it out as well because they play in the Big 12. Gary Patterson's a defensive guy, but 
In the last few years, he has not shied away from airing it out. Yeah, since the Truman Boykin years, basically. Um, I would agree with you on that intention. And we it's also been a good week to bring up this who would you watch in a conference thing because looking around the country, there's not much. Um, you could talk me into Florida and Kentucky being kind of interesting. I'm still kind of I'm still I still kind of have one eye on what Kentucky is because they swipe enough players that Michigan State wants that I'm like I kind of want you to crash and burn. Um, I'm also not totally sold on Florida yet. The, the other thing, and you're gonna have to wait a while for this. Hawaii can go three and zero against the Pac-12 if they win this week against whom? Arizona. Are you sure? No, I'm not. Because <laughs> they already beat Arizona. Yeah, no, it's not Arizona State. Who the fuck is it then? Let's see. Mountain. Well, while you're looking that up. I would like to pose to you a question. There are two teams that are 2-0 in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. Which are they? Well, you know one of them is North Dakota State. And the other one is Bo Pelini's Youngstown State Penguins are 2-0. I I have been less than impressed with his record at Youngstown State so far. Interested to see if he turns in, if he finally puts it together this year. Because I'm not going to lie. I thought that he was going to be fairly good there, and I was going to have a lot of fun like teasing him for a bunch of head coaching jobs, but they haven't really been that good. No. The team, by the way, that I was looking for is Washington. Hawaii goes Washington. Oh. And if Hawaii beats Washington on the road, do they just become a Pac-12 member at that time? Do they? Well, that's, how, they, that's the- how it works on NCAA. They, they invite you into the conference, and then they usually kick somebody out. Bye, USC. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Like, that's cute, but like it wouldn't be Oregon State that they kick out. I mean, come on, let's be real. I don't think that baseball program is quite enough to keep the Corvallis team market. Although, knowing Larry Scott, yeah, he probably would kick out like CLA or some shit. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's not much else going on nationwide. Um, buy local, buy big, buy American. Your source for big and talk, it's off tackle. Empire!